I will, I will start out, start out by saying, you know, sometimes, sometimes it seemed like a good idea at the time, and uh, I will say that a little bit with this class. Uh, when I started thinking about what I would talk about tonight, uh, I thought spiritual warfare. I will, I will, I'll do a class on spiritual warfare. And then as I got through the material and as I was working on it and kind of putting together a lesson plan and that sort of thing, I realized far enough along in my commitment um, to this class uh, that, that, that an hour really isn't a lot of time to talk about spiritual warfare. Uh, so I bit off a big chunk and we're going to see if we can chew through it uh, this evening. Um, but I'm glad we're talking about it because it's really, really important. Um, Spiritual warfare, you know, we, we, we think about the huge temptations and, and things like that, but the reality is spiritual warfare is a part of our life uh, every single day. Um, it, it impacts and influences a, a lot of our decisions, how we're going to make a, how, how we're going to do a project, how we're going to respond to somebody, you know, uh, all the way across. Satan is working um, day in and day out to deceive us and to Think, have, us, have us think things about ourselves that just aren't true. Um, and he's working to get us and maneuver us into positions where we're, we're making the wrong choices. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll jump in. We'll kind of talk about that a little bit. We'll start with uh, Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, uh, which I've got up on the screen there. Um, and this is what Paul has to say when he starts talking about uh, spiritual warfare. Um, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So that's pretty, that's pretty significant, it's pretty serious, right? Um, and and uh, to be perfectly honest, it's a little bit scary too when you when you recognize and realize what what forces are are allied against us. Um, pretty big deal. Um, so with this passage, if we're not fighting against flesh and blood, um, can we win the fight that we're fighting uh, with human resources? No, you can't. <clears throat> It's got to be, you, you've got to fight a spiritual fight with spiritual resources, absolutely. And, 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 and as we get towards the end of the class, we'll talk about what Paul had to say about that. Um, so this scripture, how would it apply um, if you were in, say, a heated disagreement uh, with another person? Um, what, what are you often tempted to do when you're in, a, when in an argument or a fight with somebody? Win it all, exactly. You're going to win no matter what. Maybe you're going to fight. Maybe you're going to yell uh, or, or be tempted to. Maybe it's a subtle put down that you're thinking about. But somehow or another, the human response is to win that fight. Um, but if you apply this scripture to that, it looks a lot different. Um, because if you apply this, then you start to realize, wait a minute, the battle I'm in, is not actually a battle to win an argument. The battle I'm in is to love my brother or my sister or whoever it is I'm in a fight with, right? And, and that battle has got Satan telling you that you need to win. You need to win at all costs. You need to yell. You need to scream. You need to cheat. You need to do whatever you're going to do to win at all costs. Um, 
And really, that's what, that's what spiritual warfare looks like, uh, again, throughout our lives. It's a, it's a series of, of these different places where you're in a position where you have to choose between right and wrong, or choose whether you're going to believe what Satan is telling you about yourself or about somebody else. Um, so Paul here is telling us to stand firm against the devil's schemes, um, and that we're struggling against spiritual forces in the, in the heavenly realms. Um, so what I want to do is very briefly take a look about at, at what we know about its ruler, uh, Satan. So we'll start with uh, Revelations 12, 9. Uh, the great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So just from that brief passage, uh, what, do we, what do we know about Satan? He was an angel, he was an angel absolutely. Been around a long time. He wants to lead us all astray, exactly. Yep. And uh, anything else? Why? Why? Pride. The true statement. Um, I think in other places. Um, Allegorically, we're told that Satan's pride was his problem, and his pride made him want to be uh, equal to or above God, and, and that was his downfall. Um, he, he, he lost. Why does he want to destroy mankind is, I guess, the question. It's because by attacking the creation, you attack the creator. Yep. Our angels creator? Are created? Yes. I believe they are. Were they created before man? I believe they were. They were. And what, is, what was it Jesus said? That, uh, I think it was Jesus said that the angels made a little lower than man. Mm-hmm. There's your answer for Satan who wants to destroy man. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. I think also it's from that is he is here on the earth. Exactly. That was what I was just getting ready to point out. He is here with us. With, with us. And he's got followers. He's got angels who are who are all about. We can't see them, but they're here. Rest assured, they are here in this room, uh, just as they are anywhere else. Um, and uh, and I think it's important that we remember that and, and realize that. And then Revelation twelve twelve. But woe to the earth and sea, because the the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So, so what do we learn there? When is it going to be over? <laughs> <laughs> it's been around when, yeah, exactly. And he's mad. Exactly. That, that's exactly. He is fired up, and uh, and you know he's he's uh, filled with fury, and that that ought to be sobering as well. I don't think it should scare us. But I think we should be aware of it, and I think we should be soberly considering the fact that we have an adversary in the spiritual realm who is angry. He is here with us, um, and and he wants to to lead us astray. Yeah, Mike. And he has no opportunity for salvation, correct? I don't believe so. 
anybody have a different opinion of that? I, I don't believe he does. So you've got a limited time to do as much damage as Exactly. That's exactly right. So that's, that's who we're dealing with. So 1 Peter 5, 8, uh, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may uh, devour, seeking, looking for someone he, to devour. Sorry, I flipped back to how I memorized it. Um, so, so here, what do we get? He's on the prowl. He's on the prowl. What's he trying to do? a roaring lion, right? Why do lions roar? Lions roar to either scare the fool out of their prey, or a lot of times if a lion roars, it will actually paralyze the prey uh, with fear. So when he's roaring, he's, he's, he's prowling around, he's roaring, he's trying to, he's, he, he is fear-mongering, and, and that's, oh, look what I did here. So I know Satan is a, I'm going to apologize up front for my writing, a fear monger. Anything else we get from that? That, that was my key takeaway. He's coming to us. He's not waiting for us to come to him. Yep, that's very true. He is, he is prowling and he is looking for us. That's a very good point. And there's a uh, inference up there uh, between logic and emotion. Mm -hmm. The devil prowls and, and uh, causes fear, which is an emotion. But God says, be alert and sober, which means use logic. Yep. Yeah. Good point, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that. Thank you. Okay, John eight forty four, and this is Jesus talking to us uh, to the Pharisees, I believe, um, and um, he's describing S Satan. He says he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What was he murdering? So, great question. Um, I believe, I, I, I kind of wrestled a little bit with that myself, and I believe when he's talking about murder there, who, who did, did, did he not murder Adam and Eve in the garden? Because we, he, 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 he murdered their souls by, 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 by lying to them, tricking them into um, um, disobeying God. And, and so I, I believe the, the murder we're talking about here, personally, I believe it is soul murder. I, I believe it is 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 killing the soul. Well, he also took. I mean, Luke's in effect in Genesis that since they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would no longer be able to live forever. Right. So. Yep. That in itself, physically, they were. Yep, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's a good point. What else do we get from that? So we get he's a murderer and a liar. Can you guys even read that? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And then Revelations 12, 10. Um, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. 
For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before God day and night, has been hurled down. So what, what do we get there? What do we get there about Satan? He's, he, he's our accuser. He accuses us before God, but where else does he accuse us? To ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we know Satan. You've got kind of four that I'm going to focus on anyway. Kind of four lines of effort. He's a fear monger. He's a murderer. And again, we're talking about the soul primarily there. He's a liar and he's an accuser. So this, this is what Satan's about. Um, we exp oh. oh, Mike, did you have something? In several of the verses, starting with the first one, you posted mm -hmm. the word hurled down. Mm -hmm. God didn't ask him about No, he no. Threw he threw him out. He hurled him down. Well, he sure did. I, I'm not sure I understand because God could control him, couldn't he? Could control him? Mm -hmm. Yes. I, 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 I believe he could. Throw him out? Yes. Are you going to why did he do that instead of controlling him? Because I don't have a good answer for that. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay. So, so these are the some of the kind of key things that Satan does, what, is, what does that look like uh, in, in our lives today? When, when Satan is trying to sow fear in our lives, what are, the, what are the types of things he tells us? What have you experienced? You're not good What else? It makes you to remember your mistake over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and I skip if I could. I would probably put that under accuser, because and the way I would say it is uh, he he accuses you and tells you that you are your past, what your life used to look like. That's who you are. That's so so that's how I would probably couch that. You are your past. Yep, guilt, absolutely. Which is not a bad thing because then you'll pray to God. Yeah. Unless you, he instills the fear that God will, you're not good enough. No, not good enough. Mm -hmm. God will never forgive me. Yep. Because, you know, I'm just not worthy. I've, I've, I've been too bad. Not worthy. Yeah, I'm struggling with that too, John. Not forgiven. Yeah. Thinking about it, was it going to be forgiven? Yep. He'll trot out the unforgivable sin, right? Also, along that line is uh, that you have to work harder to be got to be forgiven by God. Yep. Christ isn't enough. 
And, and I would say that's an accusation too, Ted. Um, yeah. you, you are not working hard enough. Yeah. You're not working hard enough to earn your salvation. Not good enough, guilt, not worthy or forgiven. Um, I think part of the fear, Joe, is he tries to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus. And when we do, we, and this kind of goes back to the class I taught on idolatry. Mm-hmm. We look to other things to fulfill us, other things to, to make us complete, how this world supposed to look. Yep. And along with that comes a great deal of fear. I mean, you look at politicians today, doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, you're afraid of the other side. Right. Because we've taken our eyes off Jesus and we're looking for our power, even in the church, through the political process. Yep. And that yep. was never God's intention. So I think that's part of the fear is is distracting us from Jesus. Okay. I like that. Okay. Um, for me, like, um, I think about worry. Worry. Um, Satan said, do you really trust the life of your parents? So it just, you know, he makes us worry about sure. that we should trust God about. Okay. So I've got a couple more. Uh, God didn't choose you. Uh, God has rejected you. Um, God is not good. Um, you know, you, you, you start asking questions like, why did God leave Satan? Um, and that can open a door for Satan to step in and answer that question with, because God's not good. I mean, there are all kinds of times where, where he can pop in and cause you to doubt the goodness of God. Like the loss of a loved one? Mm-hmm. In the, uh, the screw tape letters, mm-hmm. uh, Satan is characterized as uh, a great discourager, too. And by, by planting seeds of discouragement, it's one of the ways that he gets us to take our eyes off Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, um, and I also think of when I think of Joe, uh, think of an accuser. I always think of Job because yep. uh, uh, Satan was accusing Job of just serving God for his own for his own uh, benefit, mm-hmm. and that God was taking care of him, and you know. So Satan says, well, I can, you know, anybody will do that, you know, for the way you've been blessing him. Yep. And so, so God lets him tempt Job and then, and then sends his three friends. Yeah, yeah, you know, friends like that. So far, great friends. And uh, they, and that's where the discouragement, I think, really <clears throat> comes in. Mm-hmm. Because they were trying to convince him, I think through Satan, mm-hmm. that you really aren't worth. You're guilty of something. Yep. Yep. Throw my wife in the mix too. That, yeah. <laughs> but you're, but you're definitely not good enough. Yep. Why don't you just admit it? Yep. You know, and, and uh, Satan was doing a number on Joe in. Aside from taking away all of his wealth and all of his family, but not his wives, <laughs> you know, it's um, it, it, it's just a, a really hard thing for Joe. Yeah. You know, in connection with the screw tape letters, 
I've said before in class that in reading the screw tape letters, I see almost 90% is distraction. Mm -hmm. Screw tape is talking to Wormwood. Mm -hmm. And what's he telling him to do? Is he telling him to go tell that guy to cheat on his wife? No. He's telling him to think about lunch during the sermon. Mm -hmm. Or he's telling him to you know, distract from God. Yep. Don't try to convince them yep. to commit some big sin like stealing or murder or adultery. Just distract them from focusing on God. Absolutely. Whether it's lunch after church or the business meeting you have tomorrow. It, it seemed to me like most of what Wormwood was doing was just trying to get people to think about something other than God. Yep, absolutely. Totally agree. My oh. friend next to me said um, that he loves to be divisive. Okay, yep, that's very true. Okay. How about murderer? What is what is what what does it look like when when Satan is trying to murder us? Start out with the spiritual being. He deals on the spiritual level. Mm -hmm. He's trying to destroy our spirit, mm -hmm. murder our spirit. Mm -hmm. How does he do that? Power. You said power. Craving for power is the basis of all murder. Selling the truth. Yep, that's, that's a good one. Amy, did you have one? Thank you. I think he likes to um, really push shame. Yep. Yep. Yep, I totally agree with that. How about temptation? That could fit under most of those categories. Could fit under lying for sure. Yep. It destroys relationships. Okay. Anything else for murder that you can think of? I think that's a pretty decent list. I think the is working very hard on our children. Mm -hmm. With human trafficking. Okay. How about how about liar, father of lies? What 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 kind of lies does he does he typically, you know, what 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 is he thrown out at you? God doesn't love you. Huh? God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. 
Once isn't going to hurt. There you go. That's not what God meant when he said that in the Bible. <laughs> it's okay to procrastinate. I was going to procrastinate, but I decided to put it off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. How about telling the little children that they uh, they can choose what they want to be? Yep. Okay. How about I'm unworthy or I'm unloved? I'm incapable or undesirable or unforgivable or a mistake. And have y'all ever heard any of those things? Yeah. You wrap all that up under victim foot. Yeah. Anybody that buys into that box? Okay. How about accuser? What are what are some of the things he tosses out at you? Um, you are your past. You're not working hard enough. How about your heart isn't right? One that I read, and there were three of these lies, but they're we'll just uh, pick on one. Uh, you are what people say you are. Okay. Which means, you know, basically, you're not loved by God. Actually, under the accuser part, he could actually tell the truth there and do a lot of harm. I mean, just point out the sin that we have in our lives and keep that in front of us. Yep. That's a pretty good list. Um, that took us about five minutes. If we had gone on for a couple hours, we could still be filling the board, and, and then we'd go around the walls and that sort of thing. And the par part of the point, and, and we'll refer back to this a little bit later, but part of the point is spiritual warfare is is really very all-encompassing. Um, it, it's it's you're, we're we're dealing with it a lot of times, and it doesn't feel like spiritual warfare. It feels like I'm really not good enough. I'm really not this, I'm really not that. You have to recognize it for what it is as it's happening so that you can engage in spiritual warfare. It's, it's important to recognize what's going on um, so that you can recognize it and deal with it. So uh, we've looked a little bit at how Satan executes spiritual warfare, uh, but where's the battleground? Um, we'll look at the Second Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, and we'll talk about that for a couple minutes. Um, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish strong arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So... 
based on that scripture um, and, and what we're seeing there, where, where does spiritual warfare actually happen? In the mind. In the mind. That's exactly right. Um, and, and Paul talks about, you know, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's spiritual warfare. Taking every thought captive is spiritual warfare. Um, so he talked about strongholds. Uh, we have the power to demolish strongholds. What what kind of what kind of things would you think you might be talking about there? What would qualify as strongholds? Do you think? Addiction. Yep. Addiction, habitual sin. Anything else? Guilt. Guilt. I think you're right. Shame. Shame. I think you're absolutely right. Fear. Discouragement. Yep. Alice, you said it earlier. Worry. Yeah. A lot of strongholds. Uh, but but the beautiful thing is we, we have the power to uh, demolish those strongholds. They may feel uh, unassailable, but they're not. And, and, and this is a good scripture to remember and have memorized so that when you get discouraged and you feel a little defeated, you can look back to this scripture. It's one of the ones that I've got memorized. I have it on a card. Um, it reminds me that, that I'm, not, I'm not powerless in the fight. It's not our power, though. It's divine That's power. That's exactly divine power. That's exactly right. Yeah. Joe, how would uh, traditions fall into this? Huh. Okay. Well, let me look at that for a second. Um, Yeah, I, I think you're right, but but I, I think I think if you if you are so stuck in a tradition that has no foundation in Scripture that you are willing to not love a brother because of it, you're willing to divide over it or something like that. Sure, I think I think you could definitely call that a stronghold, and it is certainly spiritual battle, certainly. Traditions can be good or bad. They certainly can. And a lot of traditions are very good. It's a tradition. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I just see his disciples, Jesus' disciples, really had a struggle uh, with with his ideology that he presented them with. The Sermon on the Mount. How do you that talk about strongholds? Mm. And those are based on tradition. Yep. And, and we as humans don't like to be taken out of our comfort zone with a tradition. No, that's true. And, and I think that's why we uh, that's why we have religion. Because religion is man's way of incorporating God. Yep. And it's not we don't allow ourselves to be incorporated into God. We want to incorporate God into us. Yep. Therefore we make the tradition. The Pharisees, I mean, you know, thirty nine stripes, not forty. Yep. Things like that. Yep. We do the same thing today, all because we don't incorporate ourselves into God. We want to incorporate God into us. Absolutely. Completely agree. And I think that's the divine power that we're given is to recognize these things that we're, we're trying to make God our, an idol for. Yep. Absolutely. I agree with you, Jeff. That's a great, a great insight. I appreciate that. Yes. He repeatedly tells you you don't have to 
You don't have to forgive? Yeah. You know, you can't forgive because you can't forgive. I think that's sometimes we never forget. Right. Something like that, you can't forget. Right. But you can forget. Yep, absolutely true. Absolutely. Thanks for that. I yep. think sometimes we need to realize that there is forgiveness even if we can't forgive. Yep. Yep. And, and, and not, I'm not saying it's easy. No, don't right. hear me say it. Right. I, I think that the idea is that because I can't forget it, I can't forgive you. I, I don't I don't think you Yep. Yep. Yep, I agree. How I agree. often have we seen, especially in today's world, Christians eating their own? Mm -hmm. And Satan's right in the middle of that. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely true. Fingers in every direction. Yep. Yep. And that just leaves unbelievers to yeah. laugh at They're us. not any different. They're no different than me. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so he talks about arguments and uh, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What, what's he talking about there? What do you think? Pharisees coming to play. Yep. I think so. I also think it's everything we've got on the board. I think these are the types of things that Paul's talking about when he talks about arguments and pretension that sets it up against the knowledge of God because what are the, these things are diametrically opposed to what we learn and know to be true in Scripture, right? So I, I, think, I think that that is a part of what he's talking about here. And, and, and again, you know, the good thing is we have the, the weapons we need through God uh, to fight, to fight the, the battle. Any other thoughts? I think the biggest lie is you're smarter than God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people buy into that. <clears throat> yep. Okay. So we looked a little bit at um, at what spiritual warfare is. We looked a little bit at how it might look. A little bit about Satan and and who he is and who we have. Uh, as our adversary, um, we're all in a continuous spiritual battle, uh, whether we recognize it or not. Um, so what do we do about it? Uh, what do we do to uh, arm ourselves for the conflict? We'll go back to Ephesians 6, um, and we have uh, 23 minutes to get through the spiritual armor. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, you know, one thing that, that struck me as I was reading this, um, 
what God did not say through Paul was, on that day when the day of evil comes, put on your armor. He said, put your armor on so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand. And, and that's really, really important. And as we, as we fly through these, um, each one of the, 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 the different um, weapons that we have to fight with, you know, one of the things I'm going to be pointing out regularly is it's very, you, you cultivate these, these, you know, truth, righteousness, uh, peace, faith, um, salvation, the Word of God, you cultivate these things on a day-in and day-out basis. You are basically growing your weapons on a daily basis. You're exercising, you're, you're building up uh, your spiritual armor every day so that when the day comes where you need it, you already have it. It's already there. So, um, you know, Paul, Paul uses the imagery, imagery of armor um, to talk to us about what we have to fight with. But the reality is what he's really doing is he's just spent all of the book of Ephesians talking about what an intentional, um, faithful Christian walk looks like. Um, and now he's using this armor to describe the key facets of that. So really it is an intentional, faithful Christian walk that we have as our armor against spiritual warfare. Uh, as if, if we're intentional and if we're working to inculcate you know, these, these different things like truth, faith, righteousness, we're building it up and when the time comes, it's already there and, and it is a built-in protection against um, the spiritual warfare that we're talking about. Um, so what, what we'll do for the next uh, 20 minutes or so is we'll step through each one of these things um, and all I want to do is I want to try and define it in, in words that we can all understand, um, talk a little bit about or, or think through how can we foster it, so what is truth, how do you foster truth in your life, um, and then how can it help in spiritual warfare. So we'll hit those three taps or tabs for each one of, uh, each one of the, the different things, starting with truth. Um, so with that, um, the, the belt of truth. So we're, we're talking about truth here. What, how, how would you define truth? The truth about the Lord and the truth about me. Number one, the truth about the Lord is that he is sovereign. Okay. He knows everything about me. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my strengths. Yep. Okay. He knows what I can handle and what I can't. Okay? Yep. Absolutely. And because of that, that truth helps me when I know myself and I know I know who the Lord is and I know my own weakness. Yeah. Then I, I'm I'm in a I'm in a, an area where I can fight. Yeah. With yeah. the armor. Great. Thanks. Thank you, Skip. Anybody else? I think when to me when you look at the truth, it's it's there to overcome the lies of Satan yep. and the thing that you put there. For the lie, that's the truth is there to counteract it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, so as I was as I was doing some study, uh, my my favorite um, definition, uh, and it actually came from Priscilla Schreier, uh, was that the truth is God's opinion on any matter. And, and where do we get that? We get it from God's word, right? But but the truth is, whatever God said, it is right. Um, so it's it's whatever 
whatever is in the Word, um, and it's the unchangeable standard uh, that we find in God's Word. Yeah, Joe, uh, I, I think when we, when we look at the, these words that, you, that are up there, these uh, armor of God, uh, I think if we look at the antonyms, we kind of see ourselves more in the antonyms than what we see in the armor of God. Sadly true. I would so agree with that. The antonym for truth is what do we do? We manipulate the situation. Sure. And, and so if we're manipulating, if we're saying, well, this isn't really what it is, mm -hmm. then, then we've already stepped up in, in the Satan uh, army. Yeah. And we've accepted uh, a non-truth. So uh, truth hurts. It does hurt. Yep, it sure does. And, and, and we've we've got to we've got to get out of the manipulation and making it making ourselves feel better, even when we have to face the consequences. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's not a real baby; it's just a fetus. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and even our traditions fall under that in many instances because they're they're things that we use to manipulate or to control people. And we come up with these traditions. And yep. The Pharisees were very good at that. But is is it the? I mean, is it the truth? Is it okay? Is it okay if I don't? I mean, well, how does how does that all fall into play? And I think many times, what Satan uses as a lie can be a partial truth. Sure, it can. And so that's I think that's the probably the hardest uh, lies to overcome. Yep. But like you, like your definition of truth, whatever God's opinion is on something, I mean, I can certainly live with that. And sure, but, but our, I think the trick we have to deal have to live with is how do we not be deceived by Satan into believing something is the truth that really is not the truth. Right, and I think that 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 leads into the question: How do you foster truth in your life? And and uh, any thoughts? Uh, I, I, I've obviously got some ideas, but how do you foster truth in your life? Stay in the Word. You stay in the Word. That's exactly right. You know what is in God's Word. You know what God's opinion is. You know what God's opinion is on, on just about anything. And then, and then it's a little bit deeper than that, too. It's, it's more than just knowing what the truth is uh, in, in any situation. It is also committing to a life that applies that truth no matter what. You know, Jeff said the truth hurts sometimes. You know, in fostering truth in your life is, is knowing what God's Word says about everything, you know, as closely as you can, studying, you know, being in the Word every day and, 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 and recognizing, learning. But it's also a, a very firm commitment that whatever that truth is, is the truth that you're going to apply to your life. Um, you know, you, you filter your life experiences or, or, or what, what your circumstances are through the, the filter of what you know to be true, not, not your, circum or your, your experiences in life, your feelings. You know, all those things are the things that want to swing you away from truth. Well, I, I, I don't think I can do that. I, you know, I, that's too painful um, or, you know, whatever the case may be. You, you, you know beforehand and you commit beforehand that what God's Word is, is sufficient for me and that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's how you foster it in your life. Um, Joe, I also think humility is a huge part of that because mm -hmm. 
it's, it's having the ability to say, I'm, I was wrong about, I thought I had the truth, but I was wrong about that. Yep. Uh, when we're confronted with what, what the truth is. Yep, that's a great point. Yep, I completely agree. So, so if you fostered this in your in your life, you you know God's word. You have a pretty good sense for 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 what truth is, or you have a you you know what truth is. You know where to go to get truth, and you're committed um, that you're going to live by that truth. Um, how does that how does that help you in 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 a spiritual battle against the things we've got up here on the board? How how does how does knowing and committing to truth get you part of the way to uh, to being protected in a spiritual battle. I believe the word of God is living and active, mm-hmm. and that's the truth. And one of the scriptures that was the first scripture that I really memorized when I really understood that God is God and He's sovereign. It, it's in Psalms. It's how can a young man keep his life pure? Mm-hmm. By living according to the word, I seek you with all my heart. And do not let me stray from your command, but it's hiding the word in your heart that you might not sin against God. Yep, exactly. And it, it, you just have to put it inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And constantly being in the word. Exactly. Yep. It just doesn't happen. Right. It takes an effort. Yep, I completely agree. And I think if we're committed to living the truth, finding the truth and living, I think that takes the teeth out of Satan's accusations. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Alex? Um, When uh, Jesus is before Pilate Mm -hmm. and they're having that discussion, Jesus says, to testify, although I was born for this and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Mm-hmm. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then I was the first truth. Right, right. Right. Yeah, it's a great point. Because we live in a world of manipulation. Yep. Yeah. And Jesus and, says uh, the truth will set you free. Right. Yep, absolutely. Okay, um, I, I think another thing, um, you know, truth is an absolute standard. So when you are when you are in a situation where you're feeling tempted to go one way or another, you have an absolute this is right and this is wrong um, that that you have to use to guide you as you're making as you're making those decisions. Um, okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, any other, any other thoughts on truth before we step into righteousness? Okay, so Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. What, what is he talking about when he talks about us and righteousness being a tool that we can use in spiritual warfare? What kind, what, what, what is he talking about for righteousness? What's that? Right, living. Yep, exactly, <clears throat> exactly. That and, and and I think that's actually the one. Um, you know, we have an imputed righteousness righteousness from Christ um, that, that that is absolute. Uh, you know, we read in Second Corinthians five twenty one, uh, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him 
we might become the righteousness of God. So God has given us Christ's righteousness. So we have that, but I don't think that's what he's talking about when, when he's talking about this with the armor of God. I think he is talking about um, the discipline of right living. Um, and in, in uh, Ephesians 4.1, he kind of alludes to that. You know, again, the armor is referring back to what he's been talking about all the way through Ephesians. Uh, so he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So I, I think he's telling us there, you know, that the righteousness he's talking about is, is, is righteous living and faithful living. Um, I wouldn't discount our righteousness from Christ either because, I mean, I would say that that righteousness is living in Christ. Yes. And that would include righteous living, but I think it includes a whole lot more than just right living. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Alan. I, I think that's true as well. Yeah, I'm certainly not trying to shortchange it, but I think he's encouraging us um, as he's talking about putting on the armor. I think he's encouraging us to live a righteous life, um, and and uh, and and I think there are reasons. I think there is some value to that in in, in spiritual battle. So I guess my point is, we can't live a righteous life unless we're living in Christ. True statement. Yep, I completely agree. Yep, I completely agree. That's and a great point. Comes only from one place. That's God. Yep. That's God. We, we, we are righteous because God makes us righteous. Yep. So that breastplate is a gift. Yep. From God. Yep, it absolutely is. Absolutely. It's interesting to me that the breastplate does protect the heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we give our heart to Jesus. And our righteous living is and our reply to his righteousness over us. Yeah. We don't righteously live for ourselves. We do it. Exactly. That's perfect. That is perfect. Yep, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, during World War II, soldiers were issued a, a pocket Bible. It was called the Shield of Faith Bible. And it had steel covered on it. Yeah, I had one once. I gave it away to a little brother, but you put it in your breast pocket over your heart. Oh, wow. And I don't know if it would stop the bullet, but the, the idea there was what we're talking about. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So is it God's righteousness or our righteousness in the first place? We say it's God's righteousness, but you know, it seems to be Job's downfall. Because he says, I will... I will stand on my righteousness before, I will stand on trial before God on my righteousness. And you can't be righteous on your own. No. I, 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 don't, I mean, like the Pharisees, they were to show their righteousness to everyone. And, and don't we sometimes become self-righteous and not righteous? Right. Yep, I think that's true. But I think the point is you live in a way that you try to reflect the righteous character of God in, in your actions and in, in, in everything you do. Um, because you have... The right living is letting Christ shine through you mm -hmm. to the people around you. Yep. So how do you foster that? How do you foster righteous living in your life? You, you, you can't foster righteousness. That's a gift from God. But how do you foster the act of, it, it's really living out 
the truth that you you know and are committed to. So, how how do you foster that in your life? Prayer. Yep, prayer. Absolutely. Being in the Word. Being in the Word. If we know Christ, we know what Christ wants, how He wants us to be and to live. Yep. And if we understand that, then we can live a righteous life. Yep. Because Com- we're following in His footsteps. Completely agree. Except in the Spirit, as you're ruler, you might say. Okay. Except in the Spirit of your life. Okay. Okay. Kathy? In chapter 5, he talks about living in children of light. For fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. We're supposed to live in the light, not in darkness. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a daily choice. I think you job every day to make that choice. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think that's the point that I would try and get at is it is an intentional, conscious commitment to know what you know as truth, be committed to that truth, and then live it out in your life every day. Um, When it's hard, when it's painful, when it goes against what you would really prefer, you still choose to act in a way that is is righteous. Um, And how does that help in, in, in a spiritual battle? Right. Yep. Okay. So I I think if you are making those conscious decisions every day um, to live in a a way that brings honor to God and and reflects His righteous character, um, you're setting an environment in your life, right, where um, it's just not conducive to, to Satan's lies and Satan's deceptions. You are... You're, and the way I the way I couched it in in my own words was it's it's easier to resist temptation when you have a solid track record of making the right choices when you're daily walking with Christ and you're you're making that your habit you know when you're faced with a, a temptation or when you're faced with something that that is not right uh, from Satan you you've you've got that. Um, to, to kind of fall back on. Does that make sense? Can I read a scripture? Heck yeah. <laughs> In a Bible class. I think that I've been struggling recently, a little for a little while with some things, mm. feeling some lies. And one of the scriptures that I've been saying out loud, because I think when you speak scripture out loud, um, it's powerful. And um, it's in Second Peter and chapter one, verse three. It says, "His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, beholden by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you might participate in the divine nature." Mm-hmm. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Mm-hmm. That scripture has caused me to think twice about not living righteously mm-hmm. and surrendering to His divine power. And so that's my scripture of the evening. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. One that I'm having to really. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So we will. Uh, <laughs> I have two minutes to get through three, so it's probably not going to happen. But uh, um, readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So I struggle with that one a little bit because I couldn't figure out what it meant. Um, but it helped uh, looking at it in the NLT for for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. So what you're really talking about here is peace. Um, and uh, you know how how it, so so how about I just blaze through my notes really quick, and uh, and we'll we'll just sort of finish this out. Um, so how do you define peace? Um, we have peace through the good news of the gospel. Um, we have confidence in our position with Christ. Um, it, Paul talks about that a lot in the first chapter of Ephesians. Um, we also have peace because we know our position in Christ has nothing to do with our own abilities. It has nothing to do, to do with our own worthiness. It's, it's a free, free gift that we've been given. And we also have peace um, because we know God's grace covers us. That doesn't mean we can abuse grace, but, 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 but that's... There's a lot of peace in knowing that God's grace is covering us on a daily basis. It illustrates that how worry is lifted when we have that. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, how do you foster peace in your life? Um, you you study and you work hard to understand day in and day out, a doubt, and and then accept your unshakable position in Christ. Uh, and become secure in your relationship with God and His love for you. Um, so you work on it. You look to understand what's my relationship, who, I, who am I in Christ, um, and understand that. And then I think the other way that you foster it is you work hard to understand and accept God's grace in your life because that, that gives a lot of peace. Um, and then how can it help? Uh, if you're secure in your position in Christ and your relationship with God, uh, if it's really settled in your mind, Satan's attempts to cause you to question your identity or to question God's love for you will be completely blunted. Um, okay, so uh, faith, how would you define it? Um, I'm going to use a real simple definition and see if anybody reacts poorly. Um, um, I, I really like this definition because it, 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 really, uh, it really captured kind of my thinking. Believing and acting like God is telling the truth. Um, it's trusting and acting on the faithfulness of God in every situation and acting on God's direction without any proof uh, that everything's going to work out in the end. Um, faith, faith involves risk. Uh, on our part, and if you look at Abraham and 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 taking Isaac up to sacrifice him, Abraham didn't understand what was going on. He knew God told him to do something he desperately didn't want to do, right? But off he went, and he was going to do it. And he knew that God was going to somehow make this right. He had no idea how it was, and he didn't have any proof that God was going to make it right. But that was his choice, and how he chose to follow. So he believed and acted like God had been telling the truth when he told him that, God, that the promise would be fulfilled through Isaac. So he already had that. He believed that was truth, and he acted on it. Um, and then the other thing that, that I think is important uh, as, you, as you look at faith, and you, you have to remember it's not based on the quality or quantity of our belief, right? It's, it's 
faith is based on the trustworthiness of God. You know, Abraham, his faith wasn't great because he had a ton of it. His faith was great because he believed God was trustworthy in what he had said, and, and he moved out with it. Um, you know, Jesus talks in Matthew 17 about, hey, if you have faith the great size of a, a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Um, and, and I think he was serious when he said that. I, I, uh... So how do you foster it? Again, you know, as, as we've been hitting on throughout, consistently and consciously, Choose to obey God and apply His principles in your life uh, despite your fear, uh, your insecurity, any intimidation you might be feeling about doing that. You trust Him that He says he, He's going to do what He says He's going to do. And you do that day in and day out in big things and little things. When you feel God's calling, you follow God's calling and you watch to see Him work miraculously in your life. Um, and... Uh, as he shows your, his faithfulness, your faith will grow stronger and stronger. So, so and, and then how that helps is um, when you have a consistent habit of, of taking God at his word, you remain grounded in truth. Uh, when Satan tries to get you to doubt his goodness uh, or the truth of his word. Okay, guys, we are a little bit over, so I think I'll stop there. Uh, salvation and the Word of God are, are the other two that we didn't cover. Um, I would actually encourage you to go, go back and, and look at it and think about what, what salvation is and what it brings to you. Um, uh, how can you bring that into your life? And, and then think a little bit about how it can help you. And, and then the Word of God, I mean, that one's a little bit easier to, to see and understand. Um, God tells us truth in his word if you know it if you apply it here's part of mine uh, sometimes I write it on note cards and then I memorize the note cards and I've got it in my head so that when I am tempted or when I hear Satan's lies I have I have scripture in my head that I can recount directly to Satan to say that's not true this is true and and you see J Jesus doing that um, in in his temptation, you know, he he answered every one of Satan's temptations with Scripture, and and that was the sword of of, of the Spirit, the Word of God that he was using. So, uh, I apologize. It did. I I bit off a little bit more than I could chew, but I I hope you got something out of it tonight. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the East Side Church of Christ. Sure, want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.